The thought of new means what? No challenges, no difficulties, easy breezy. You have AC, takes you where you need to be. You're comfortable, perfect, better. You think it means no difficulties, but it's quite the opposite. In the kingdom of God, new life is equivalent to challenges. It's equivalent to giants. It's equivalent to difficulties. It's equivalent to warfare. It's equivalent to everything that has to do with opposition because there is an enemy that will not allow you to walk into your new life without a fight. Get ready because the new life comes with a fight. You see it over and over and over. Chapter 4 of Exodus, however, chose us God bless you. It is a pleasure to speak to your life. I want to tell you that God has great things planned for you and that these are revealed through his word. Therefore, I encourage you to prepare your heart and to prepare your mind to hear a powerful word spoken through Pastor Richard Torres. Let's listen. All right. Thank you, Jesus. I'm really excited to see all of you guys, good looking people in this place. Very proud to be part of a church that is filled with good-looking people. <laughs> Today, we're starting what I believe is a life-changing series. So I ask, if you're watching, to stay tuned for the entire series. I ask, if you're watching, to share with your loved ones right now and later on during the day. Share with those people that you love. So I ask, if you're here, that you don't miss a Sunday, that you make an effort to be here every Sunday Amen. that is part of this series. I ask that you may bring someone with you. Someone else needs this word. I believe this is a life-changing word. So let's fight for our blessing. Stay connected, whether it's through social media or in person, but less continue with the whole series. The title of this series is The New Life. The New Life. The New Life. From the Old Testament and New Testament all the way to today, it is very clear that every time God interacts with men, the opportunity is presented for a new life. Every time that God comes into a scene, whether there is a man, a woman, a kid, every time God comes into a scene, an opportunity is presented for a new life to be adopted, for a new life to start in the person that is having contact with God. When God comes into the scene, a new life is not just an option from God, but it is his desire for everyone that comes in contact with him. Are you listening to me? Every time that God appears into someone's life, it is not just God saying, I'm giving you an opportunity today. No, because that's something that we could probably go outside and say, hey, I, I want you to have this opportunity. No, that's not how it is. It is his desire. He wants you to have a new life. If he has contacted you one way or another, he wants you to have a new life. 
It is not just so that he can ask, how are you doing? How's everything in your life? How are things going with you? No, it's I want you to have life. And I want you to have it abundantly. I want you to have life. You know that there are people out there that are living, but they're living no quality of life. And I wish I was talking about people that live in third world countries that make a couple of dollars a day. That's not what I'm talking about. I believe that there are people that make very little money that have quality of life. While here in America, there are people that make a lot of money that have no quality of life. I want you to know today that it is God's desire. We can see it from the beginning, from Genesis all the way to Revelations, all the way to you and me today. We can see that God wants you to have a new life. Tell the person next to you. Or speak it over your loved one who may not be with you today. God wants you to have a new life. God wants you to have a new life. He wants it so bad. He wants you to have a new life so bad that he was willing to sacrifice his only begotten son. How desperate, how big is his desire that you have a new life? That he was, give, he was willing to give his son. Now this idea of new life doesn't come from us, from this generation of preachers. This idea of new life comes all the way from the beginning. Genesis chapter 12 verse 1, you hear that God said to Abraham, Leave your country, leave your family, leave your father's house, and go into a, a land that I will show you. I don't know about you, but to me that sounds like a new life was presented to him. I don't know about you, but it sounds like a new life. Exodus chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, God said to Moses, I have heard the cry of my people. I've seen their oppression. I am aware of their suffering. And I have come. I'm sending you. I'm sending you to set them free. Listen to this. Talk about a new life. From taking care of some sheep in the wilderness to leading the Israelites into freedom from Egypt. Talk about a change in life. New life. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 12 and 13. And the Lord said, anoint him, for he is the one. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Now, this is probably the biggest change of life of all the ones that I mentioned. From occupying the lowest occupation in the land, taking care of the sheep, to sitting at the throne of a nation. I mean, I'm telling you, every time that God interacts with men, there is an opportunity, there is a desire from God that you would have new life. Every time Jesus interacted with someone, there was a life-changing experience for these people. Every time that you come to church, I hope you would realize this, every time that you come to church and the Word of God flows through the pulpit, even if it is through a worship song, 
preaching, teaching, whatever it is, or just someone is speaking the word of God over your life, I wish you would realize that there is an opportunity of a life change experience in your life, that everything may be different. Can you imagine going from the fields of Bethlehem to the palace of the king? A new life. And the list goes on. You know, Peter, from a simple fisherman to a great apostle. Paul, from persecuting Christians to encouraging Christians all over the world. It is evident, it is clear that a new life is on the table for you. The table is served. 2021, the table is served for you and for me. It seems to me that it is a very... The, the very essence of Christianism's, Christianism, Jesus' dead, burial, and resurrection was so that you and I could have a new life. I'm telling you, by the end of this series, you will hear enough about new life that you will not stop until you're living a new Amen. life. At least it is my prayer. It is so clear that God's desire for you is to have a new life. What about you? Are you excited about a new life? I know that I'm not a salesman. Uh, I, you know, I've always done work that doesn't have to do with selling. And now I, I have to do a little bit of selling, and I struggle because I have to sell the job that I'm doing. You know, I have to quote it. I have to say it's going to cost you this much. I have to sell it, right? Yeah. That's not something that I'm good at. I'm, I don't feel comfortable charging for something. You know, one of, uh, one of the teachers that I was listening to on, on a uh, programming class, he said, you know, I went, I went to a customer's house, and um, I got there, and he, his entire house was down. He couldn't operate any TV, ACs. He couldn't do anything. Everything was down. So I went to the central unit, the rack, and I found it, and I realized that something had tripped the main switch. So I went and flipped it on, and everything started working after that. And then I approached the customer, and I said, okay, it's going to be $250. And the customer looked at me and said, what? All you did was press that button. And, and, and this is the teacher said. And I turned around and said, hey, I'm not charging you for pressing what button. I'm charging you for knowing which button to press. That's a good salesman right there. I mean, I, I, I will feel terrible. Knowing that it took me 10 seconds and I will charge $250. That's a bad salesman right there. Because you don't consider gas. You don't consider tolls. You don't consider all the time that you've spent learning which button to press. Well, the reason why I bring this up is because if I was a good salesman, I will tell you right now that anytime you put new in front of any word, it changes. It changes how people perceive those things. If you, if you say you're buying this, but I'm going to bring this and this, this with it, it's one thing. But if you say you're buying this, but I'm going to give you a new this, a new that, a new that over there, it, it just changes things. Who in here doesn't get excited to the tone of a new apartment? Okay, I see you guys are at a different level. Who in here doesn't get excited about the tone of a new car? Okay, that's better, that's better. 
Who in here doesn't get excited about, uh, 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 at the tone of a new house with a pool? Not a pool, not a pool. Okay, no pool people here. Who in here doesn't get excited at the tone of a new ministry? Who in here doesn't get excited at the tone of a new marriage? Now, that's confusing. That's confusing. I get it. I get it. Because you could say, a new car, hey, the old car is making some weird noises. I get it. A new house, you could say, you know what? The old house, every once in a while, just smells in a weird way. But when you say a new husband, it's like every once in a while, he... No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a broken marriage that God says, I'm making new. I'm not saying you're getting a new, younger, stronger husband. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you're trading him for a newer model, more effective, more efficiency. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that God, as he said, will make a new thing, creating something new. Don't you get excited about new? It's exciting. Hearing about a new, you fill it in blank. It's exciting. It's hopeful. It's amazing. Whether this is an apartment, a car, a house, ministry, marriage, whatever it is, we love the smell of new. Don't you like the smell of new? Yeah. It's in mint condition, perfect, no imperfections, it's clean. Can you imagine walking into a new house, what the feeling is, picking which room is yours, how are you going to live, what you're going to do? Now, seeing that, Picture walking into a new life. What kind of habits are you going to have? What kind of things are you going to do differently? You see, it's exciting. Messages that talk about a new life don't need to be sold. People are wanting, they desire something new in their lives. Who in here wants a new life? Even if you have been a Christian... Wouldn't you love the opportunity to do it over again? I am sure that you will do things differently. Even after you became a Christian, I can tell you for sure that I get excited about the new life. If I could go back and be a pastor again, there are some things that I will do differently. There are some things that I would not do. There are some things that I will not allow. I would definitely do things differently. So the thought of a new life, it's appealing to everybody, regardless of what stage in life you may find yourself. It's appealing to everybody. So we find two things that are already set on stone. God's desire is to give you a new life. He wants you to have a new life. And our desire is to have a new life. So what's the problem then? Something doesn't make sense. If God wants you to have a new life so bad that he was willing to sacrifice his son, and you want a new life so bad, what's the problem? Why is it that we have Christians walking around but don't display a new life? Why? There is a reason why. Why is it that there are so many people not enjoying, not enjoying, 
the new life. Christians at church struggling to live the new life God has given them. See, you're a new creation. So if you're a new creation when you're at work, people should notice that you are new, that you're different, that you have changed. You're a new creation. So in your household, it should be evident that there was a new life in you, that things are different. You're a new creation. Your church should be better because you are part of it. You should be pushing and lifting the church, not dragging. So if we have access, because God's desire is that we have a new life, and we want a new life, why is it that we struggle so much to experience a new life? I believe that through the life of these three men that I mentioned earlier, we can see some of the reasons why. Let's look at Abraham. The new life. Let's see these three men. And why is it that we today struggle so much to experience the new life? I don't know if you're following me or not. I'm a pastor. I should have all my act together. I should be perfect. I don't like that you're laughing that way, especially on that side. But why is it that I desire a new life? I've been a Christian. I can say most of my life I've been a Christian. I've been pursuing God most of my life. But why is it that the sound of a new life is so appealing to me? I've accepted it. Accepting him as my Lord and Savior. I've committed my life to him. I am a born again Christian. But there is something about the sound of a new life that I wish to obtain, to walk in, to live in. So let's look at the life of this man and see why is it that we struggle so much to experience a new life. Am I alone on this? Or am I only speaking to non-Christians that desire a new life? Let me give you three things about the new life, the life of this man. And it'll be short. This is just an introduction to the series. We'll get in depth as the weeks go by. Let's look at Abraham. The new life, number one, the new life through the life of Abraham is not discretionary. Does does that make sense? Discretionary? You guys know what that word is? It's not at your own discretion. It is not for for you to pick and choose. The new life is not discretionary. Do you want a new life? Are you excited about having a new life? Every time there is an encounter with God, the opportunity is open for you to experience new life. Now, this new life that comes from God is not discretionary. You don't get to pick and choose what this life looks like. So Abraham hears from God and says, Hey, leave your country, leave your family, leave your father's house, and go into a land that I will show you. Go into the land that I will 
show you. Are, we, are you with me so far? Genesis 12, verse 1. And you see it? It's not optional. You think that when the opportunity that God is opening for you to have a new life, this opportunity comes with negotiations from you. Meaning, Lord, I do want a new life. I do want a new life. And you come to God and said, I heard everything you said. You said, leave your country, leave your family, leave your father's house, and, and go into a land that I will show you. I heard you said those things, God. But what if I get to bring this with me or keep this with me? And I will only, and then you fill in the blank. I will only use it every once in a while. I will only participate of that every once in a while. I will only take part of that only when I feel lonely or sad. What if I don't stop doing this? What if I stay here and we can continue to have this new life? If you want a new life, you have to have a new life. I don't know if that's too, too obvious or not. I don't know if that makes sense, what I just said. If you want a new life, you have to have a new life. There is no negotiation. But you know what we do? We say, God, I heard you. You said, leave your country, leave your family, leave your father's house, and go into a land that I'll show you. Since you, you're not cooperating with me, God, I'll tell you this much. There is one thing that's not negotiable. Lot is coming with me. He's coming with me. I mean, you, you, you said no to this, you said no to that, but Lot is coming with me. There's no nego negotiations on that. Let me tell you, if you want a new life, you have to have a new life. People want the benefits of a new life without the cost of a new life. People want the comfort of a new life without the effort of the new life. People want the relationships of the new life while embracing the relationships of the old life. It doesn't work that way. If you want a new life, you have to have a new life. That means that certain habits that you have right now, you have to let go. You have to leave behind. You have to keep them where they are as you move forward. It means that certain friendships that you have right now cannot go on with you. You wonder why you've made a commitment to Christ. You're going after Him. You're going to church. You sing. You praise. You tithe. You do all these things. But somehow it doesn't feel like you have a new life. You know why? Because you're still hanging around with the same people that you were hanging around before he came to you before he asked you to leave your country, family. Leave what you have behind. Leave your current life behind. Leave your old life behind. Now, I know that some people don't have a problem with this. Some people don't have a problem leaving their old life behind. <laughs> leaving their current life behind. Because they're sick and tired. They don't have a problem leaving that lifestyle behind because sin is killing them, literally. Right. It's destroying them. It's no longer fun. It's no longer something they enjoy. Now they're dying. They're sick of it. They're tired. They wish things would be different, 
The wages of sin have come and settled into their lives. So they're ready for a new life. They're begging God, please help me. They don't have a problem. Now, on the other hand, there are other people that do have a problem with this. Because they're okay. They're comfortable where they are. Sin is not all the way here yet. Sin is just on their toes, knees waste they can still manage to move around they can still do things they can still enjoy a little bit of worship and enjoy a little bit of flesh so they don't they 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 don't need a new life the life they have right now is perfect on sunday i feel holy and safe and since the pastor says that it is by grace and not by what I do, then I can enjoy Friday night. Because after all, it is not what I do. It is His grace and His mercy that saves me. And He already paid the price not only for, for the past sins that I've committed, but also for the future sins in my life. So, pastor, I'm not really interested in a new life. My reputation says that I am a Christian. People at work know me because they know that I am a Christian. When I'm at my desk desk station, only I listen to KLTY and nothing else. But when I'm in my car alone, I get the party going. I get it on. Is that how it goes? I feel this music and I can control my body and it just goes all over the place. The new life is not discretionary. You don't get to pick and choose. What aspects of the new life you keep and what aspects of the old life you bring with you? A new life is not up to your discretion. He says, this is it. It is not optional. You want it, it will be this way. You walk in it. The new life is not discretionary. Let's look at the next person we talked about. Let's look at Moses. The new life is not easier than the old life. So the new life is not discretionary, and the new life is not easier. Let's look at Moses for a second. Moses wanted to be a change in his society. He got in trouble. He ran away. Forty years went by. He was comfortable. He had an easy job. I guess he was making good money. I don't know. He was his own boss. You know, he will just determine where to go and how to do things. And all of a sudden, God appears to him and presents him with the opportunity of a new life. He comes and says, hey, I have heard the cry of my people. I have seen their oppression. I'm aware of their suffering, and I'm sending you to set them free. Now, let's be honest. You look at your life right now, the struggles that you have, the difficulties that you have, and now you look at the new life presented to you by God. And it is evident, it is obvious that it is not easier than what you have right now. What you have right now, when you look at it, you consider it, you think about it, the challenges, the difficulties, all of these things 
seem a little easier than when God comes to you and says, I want you to do this. This is your new life. I feel like when you hear the word new, you think it means no challenges. I mean, after all, you trade an old car for a new car. Why? Because the old car is starting to become challenging. You have to pray too much for it to turn on. That's when you know it's time to get a new car. You take it to one mechanic and another, and no one seems to find the problem. You're just wasting money and money and money, right? So, I hope God has been speaking to your life through this message. The desire of Bethesda Church and Pastor Richard is to change lives through love. And we are very grateful for the opportunity that this medium allows us to reach multitudes. If you would like to continue listening to more messages from our pastor or to know more about this ministry, look for us online at mybethesda.org or on facebook.com slash mybethesda. Thank you. The thought of new means what? No challenges. No difficulties. Easy breezy. You have AC. Takes you where you need to be. You're comfortable. Perfect. Better. You think it means no difficulties, but it's quite the opposite. In the kingdom of God, new life is equivalent to challenges. It's equivalent to giants. It's equivalent to difficulties. It's equivalent to warfare. It's equivalent to everything that has to do with opposition because there is an enemy that will not allow you to walk into your new life without a fight. Get ready because the new life comes with a fight. You see it over and over and over. Chapter 4 of Exodus, however, shows us something that I love. Moses gets introduced to his new life. No doubt, challenging. You see, his challenges were to find new pastors for the sheep. Those were his challenges. Maybe defend him from an animal that would try to come and steal one of them. Now his challenge was to go and face the most powerful king in the earth at the moment. Tell this king, let my people go so they can worship God in the wilderness. When you put one next to the other, there is no comparison. He had a huge task. You see, while you are where you are today, you may think that there are no challenges. You know why there are no challenges? Because the enemy has you where he wants you to be. There is no desire for a better life. So sin all the way to your waist, living the way that you're living, there is no need for you to fight anything. You're going directly to hell. No problem. But the moment that you look at the new life that God has in store for you, in that moment, hell comes to you. Every fight, every enemy, every opposition comes your way. But this is what I love about this. Chapter 4 of Exodus, Moses starts his journey to his new life as a leader, as the one who is going to set these people free. But do you know that he didn't go directly to Pharaoh and said, hey, let my people go? First, he went and, and presented himself to Aaron, and he shared all the things that happened. And then in the latter part of that chapter, they together go, and the Bible says that they went to the elders and told everything 
That is not a coincidence. Yes, this new life is not easier than the current life you have. It requires to fight. There are giants. There are scary things ahead. But let me tell you, you are not alone. You should not face this new life alone. You should find yourself right away an Aaron, someone that is close to you, someone that can help you. But most importantly, you should count on the body of Christ. It's so important in this new life to understand that you're not alone. There is a body around you that is there to support you. Do you remember, since the kids talked about Esther, you remember Esther? When we, when we hear about heroes in the Bible, always seems like a one-man job. One person did all that needed to be done. It was one hero. But the reality is that in every one of those occasions, you have a body of people behind them. Esther knew that she had a challenge ahead of her. She had to go to the king. She knew that her life will be in danger. And now... Her name is recorded for what she did. But you cannot ignore that there was a body of people behind her praying for her. This new life is challenging for you. And you need a body of people behind you, supporting you, praying for you. Yes, you need the church. You need the church. If you're watching this and you know that you could be here, you should be here. Because one of the reasons why you may not living the new life is because you're not allowing the body of Christ to become the support that you need in this tough, challenging task that you have ahead of you. And our excuse is that people are hypocrites. And yes, there are people that say one thing and do another in church. Good people that say one thing and do another. Good people that say, I love you to your face, and every once in a while they'll talk behind you. Yes. But you see that the support is not on individuals. It's never on individuals. The support is on a body. Because while one may not be doing the right thing, while one may be talking bad about you for a season, for a day, for a moment, there is somebody else praying for you there is somebody else believing for you you see while one when you tell him about something exciting that god is doing may look around and act like he doesn't care somebody else may believe with you that god is going to do amazing things see the power is not in one individual person that may not be perfect the power is in the body of christ that comes and meets every sunday every wednesday every tuesday so the new life is not discretionary, discretionary, and the new life is not easier. If you want easier, stay where you are. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and only the courageous, the violent, take it by force. Last one. The new life, now looking at the, the life of David, the new life is not what you fathom. It's not what you imagine. The new life is not what you imagine. I don't know why this shocks us so much. 
We're used to it. Ladies, you growing up, thought that one day there will be a prince riding on a horse coming to you. And then you realize that he was not a prince and he was not riding a horse. He was driving a little beetle, old bug, that will make loud noises, that every once in a while he will smell bad. You realize that there was no prince. He burps. He does other things. You realize that he's no prince. But somehow, we do it over and over and again. We hear that God said something, and we ignore everything. The prophet is speaking to us. God is going to take you to the nations. And then he says, but first he's going to put you through this, this. But we didn't hear any of that. We didn't hear, like, like I'm, I'm talking about literally right now. We didn't hear it. The moment we hear God is taking you to the nations, our mind just went, really, I'm going to go to Hawaii and preach? I'm going to be preaching in Hawaii? Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Lord, you know that there is need in the beaches. You know. You know there is sinful people out there. Thank you, Lord, for this assignment in my life. Thank you, Lord, for taking me as a missionary to the richest city in the world. <laughs> so, we immediately start creating an image of what this new life looks like. And all of a sudden, this new life starts and we are shocked by it. We're upset and we are mad because God said one thing and it didn't happen. You see, Samuel gets to the house, and he's ready to anoint the next king. And he realizes, well, he didn't realize. God told him it was none of the ones that first were presented to him. So now they wait for David. Now David was taking care of the sheep, the lowest of the lowest assignments for anybody at the moment. He brings him, and now he anoints him as king. The Lord said, He's the one. And from that day forward, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. That's what he says. Now you think, since you know the story, you may think that the new life started when he sat at the throne. But that's not true. In that moment, the new life started. The new life started. I Love this image. It's so encouraging to me. While some may think it's discouraging, it's so encouraging to me. To hear that the new life started when God spoke those words over my life. When God said, I'm doing this in your life. I'm doing that in your life. You know why I say it's so encouraging? Because you hear God so powerfully, so clear. You hear Him saying, I'm doing this in your life. And a day goes by, a week goes by, a month goes by, and I wish I could stop right there. A year goes by, hopefully not a decade goes by. Well, you know, historians debate how old was David when he was anointed as king. But they agreed on a small margin. He was a teenager. I don't know if he was 13, 14, 
or he was 19. But let's say, just to go on the easy side, that he was 19. Just say that. He didn't sit on the throne until he was on his 30s. So at least, at least a decade went by. And here's the thing. A day goes by and a situation doesn't change. A week goes by and a situation doesn't change. And we're questioning God. God, did you make a mistake? Maybe you were supposed to anoint my older brother. It seems like he's more suitable for the task that you've given me. But if you anointed me as king, why did you put me back right where you took me out from? Because the next time we hear about David is when Saul is asking for him so that he can go and play for him because he's being tormented by this spirits. And you know where, where he's found? Taking care of the sheep. That means that his new life started and apparently nothing around him changed. The circumstances were the same. The situation were the same. Nothing had changed. Why do I say this encouraging? Because I sometimes look around my life and things haven't changed. And we may be tempted to, tempted to question God and say, God, have you forgotten about me? Or even worse, have you changed your mind about me? Let me tell you, this new life requires, you for, you, requires for you to leave things behind. There are things that you cannot bring with you. Habits, relationships. This new life requires for you to fight for the fulfillment of this life. It's not easier than your current life. If right now you work for somebody and you work from eight to five, you think that being your own boss is easier than that? You're out of your mind. You want a new life? Where now you're a boss. Listen, you will have to work twice as much as the people that you pay. And there may be times in your life that their check is going to be bigger than yours. You will have to fight. It will not be easier. Why, what makes you think that the spiritual will be not similar in that aspect? You want ministry? going to be a lot more harder than then just coming and receiving why do you expect it to be any different the new life you have to leave things behind you have to fight for the fulfillment of this new life and the new life you have to endure the journey you have to endure the journey but what i am amazed what i'm amazed by is that god doesn't wait for David to be seated in the throne to see him as what he is. Right where he is. He knows him and he loves his heart. He chose him. While you keep trying to appear to God as if you're seated on the throne, God loves you right where you are. Fighting alone in the desert, the lion, the bear. He loves you right where you are, taking a giant without a crown over your head. Taking the responsibility without the title that you should have. So this new life, I hope that you embrace it. I hope that you move forward. Would you please stand? And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that just now.
we have a little bit of time. If you're at home watching and you need to come to the altar, just post it in there. Some of the pastors are watching. We'll be praying for you as well. What's holding you back? Are you in Abraham's shoes? Were there things that you're not willing to let go of your old life? Relationships, friendships, habits? Or are you in Moses' shoes? Looking at the task ahead of you and how challenging it is, how difficult it is. Or are you in David's shoes? Or you realize that it's taking longer than what it should be. Either way, just come to the altar and let him know, God, I'm ready for the new life. Would you bow your head? And if you need prayer, come to the altar. A new life starts with a decision that you made to go after him, to leave Lot behind, to live your country, to live your family, to leave everything that you're comfortable in behind. And pursue this calling that may not be clear. You may not have a clear direction of where you need to go. You just know that he's called you. You just know that you're ready for a new life. Father, I am ready for a new life. I feel like at different times I'm wearing every one of those shoes. I feel like at times there are things that don't belong to the new life that I need to remove. I feel like at times, God, I look at the challenges ahead of me and they're intimidating. They cause me to delay, wait. God, and there are times where I, I wonder how long is it going to take before things change, before circumstances change around me. God, I pray that the hearts of the people listening today or the hearts of the people in here in this place, God, may be so fired up, ready for a new life that they may stop move, start moving forward towards you. God, I pray. I pray, Lord, that we may go after you with all of our hearts in such a way that we will be willing to leave things behind. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my people. I pray for this church. That we may realize, God, that there is a new life available for each one of us. And that we may pursue it. That we may go after it. God, that through your death, burial, and resurrection, through the power of the glory of the Father, God... Through your baptism, we may walk in newness of life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for newness of life over your people. That everyone may experience a new life. Devil, you have no power over their minds. Devil, you may be messing around their circumstances. 
But in the name of Jesus, I declare them free. I declare them free from the attacks of the enemy. God, where their minds and their spirit may be set free. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I hope you have enjoyed this message. And if one day you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and would like to visit, our address is 71001 Airport Freeway, Richland Hills, Texas, 76118. We would love to meet you. If you have any requests and would like for us to pray for you, you can call us at 817-427-0010 and leave a voice message. Contact us and let us know your comments. Once again, you can give us a call at 817-427-0010 or write us an email to info at mybethesda.org.